Destinations Beyond Expectations is powered by Group Experience. Visit groupexperience.com to learn how to build your travel tribe. What's up? This is DBE, and I'm your host, Stevie G. I hope everyone is doing well this week. If you are a fan of the show, welcome to another episode. And if you're a new listener, welcome to the classroom, because Destinations Beyond Expectations is the podcast designed for students of travel. Go check out DBE on social media. The podcast is on Facebook and Instagram. And be sure to visit dbetravel.com to view the entire episode library, along with some fun blogs and a link to support the show through Patreon. Today, I am talking to Nina from the Nomadic Neen Travel blog. Last week, Nina and I talked through the first four days of her Dublin and Beyond adventure, and this week we're diving into the second half of her trip. NomadicNeen.com has so many great travel stories and itineraries, so be sure to check it out. And also, don't forget to scroll down to the show notes where Nina's Exploring Ireland, Dublin and Beyond blog post is available. I hope you enjoy our talk about things to see in Dublin, Cork, Galway, and more. So here's the second half of my interview with Nina, starting with day number five. Day five. So day five again takes you out of Dublin, this time to explore the city of Cork and Blarney Castle. Your first stop on your way to Cork was at a place called the Rock of Cashel. I actually got to visit uh, the Rock of Cashel as well. But talk a little bit about the history and the experience a visitor will have if they stop by the Rock of Cashel. So the Rock of Cashel is very interesting. Um, There is a myth behind it that I think is pretty cool, that the rock arrived in Cashel when St. Patrick banished the devil. And that was like the landing spot of where he, he landed. But in reality, the Rock of Cashel was a like fortress or castle, uh, for lack of a better word, that was home to the King of Munster, which is the province that um, the Rock of Cashel is in. And the King of Munster was actually converted to Catholicism by St. Patrick there in the 1100s, early 1100s. So it wasn't only, you know, a fortress and a home, it became a place of worship. There's a huge burial ground outside of it, which is still active from what I've gathered from looking at some of the dates. Um, A lot of them aren't that old. So it's, it's an active graveyard from what I could see. So it's, it's a little creepy, but it's a really, really unique spot. And you could walk around the whole area and it's just the size of these castles that these people used to live in is just, unreal and it's like brings you back in time it's a cool spot it's very interesting and of of course after the rock of cashel you went on to the blarney castle which is where visitors can obviously go and kiss the blarney stone what's the story behind that tradition of kissing the blarney stone and what else can visitors do at uh blarney castle yeah so the blarney stone is is a whole romantic story about how it came to be that I do not remember the details behind it. I didn't find it super interesting, but I did find it interesting that if you lay upside down and kiss the Blarney Stone, you're supposed to be in good luck for going forward. And if you go and you don't kiss it, it's not that you're going to get bad luck. It's just, for example, like if we went and I kissed it and you didn't, 
I might win the lottery, you just won't. So like, it's not bad if you don't do it, but it's one of those things like that. That's an Ireland bucket list item. They sanitize it between each person. So definitely, you know, take the risk, slide upside down. It's a little scary because there's a gaping hole behind you. So, but uh, it's worth it. And then after Blarney, you made your way to Cork. And I know you didn't get to spend too much time there again, but it is one of Ireland's bigger cities. In fact, I believe it's Ireland's second biggest city. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about the city of Cork and what you got to do there? Yeah, so Cork is the second largest city. Spot on with that. Um, it's your pretty typical city. A lot of shopping, you know, chain stores, a few restaurants here and there. Very city-like. We were only there for about an hour, so we didn't stop and eat anywhere, but we did a lot of walking around. Yeah, it's just, it's in the southwest of Ireland, but uh, it's near Blarney's uh, Castle and the Rock of Cashel, so... It's definitely a good spot to stop and spend more time if you want to spend time in the southwest of Ireland. I don't have, you know, too much on it other than it's a pretty typical city, but I'm sure it's amazing if you have more time there. So after visiting Cork, you headed back to Dublin to rest up for an exciting day ahead that included a trip to the Cliffs of Moher as well as the city of Galway. Your day six starts pretty early, and after meeting your guide, you stepped onto the bus and made your way to the Cliffs of Moher. I'd love to know more about your experience at the Cliffs. Did they exceed your expectations? So they absolutely did. Um, It's just one of those things you see pictures. I'm pretty sure the Cliffs of Moher are like one of those standard windows, desktop backgrounds that you see. You see pictures everywhere, and they don't do them justice at all. Like the overwhelming size of the cliffs alone and all the colors and the greenery around them. And there's really cool, like I I wouldn't call them hikes, I guess walks along the cliffs that you can do. It's just the vantage points that, uh, that you can look out and see. You can see like the Aran islands from there and just it's incredible views and just a beautiful place. Just like soak in all the nature and the beauty that Ireland has to offer in one spot. And that's, I'm guessing, right, is a pretty popular touristy place. Do do a lot of tour groups make their way out there? Oh, yeah. Like, we, our tour guide made it a point when we got on the bus. Like, we were supposed to leave at, like, 7 or something. He's at a head count at 645. He was like, everyone's here. We're going. Like, we got to be the first ones there. And, like, I'm so glad he did that because about 15, 20 minutes into us getting there, like eight or nine busloads of people pulled up and they just kept coming and coming. So it is a huge tourist spot. So the earlier you can get there, the better. And the views are always good in the morning, in my opinion, get some good sunlight. Now on your way out of the cliffs of Moore, heading to Galway, you quickly stopped at Burren National Park to get some really unique pictures. Tell us about Burren National Park and its unique landscape. Yeah, so Burn was an unexpected stop for us. Um, it's It almost felt and looked like we were like on the moon. Like It just felt like another planet. It's like this whole cliff of just flat rocks, but they're all separated. Like They have space in between, so you have to be really careful walking around them. It definitely can be pretty dangerous, but it's a unique landscape, and it's not something you see normally so you know stop on the side of the road for 10 minutes and 
take in the views and get some cool pictures and it's definitely worth it. And of course, your next stop uh, was in the city of Galway, which I've heard really great things about. How was Galway and what did you get to do there? Yeah, Galway was awesome. We didn't have enough time there, but unlike Cork, I have like draw to go back to Galway just because in that short time, like I saw so much. Galway is like a mix of a typical city, but also feels like a little more old school and more traditional. The roads, one of the roads are, if not all the roads, were cobblestone. There was musicians and street performers everywhere. There's just like good vibes going on throughout the whole city. And it's, it's really walkable. And there's a bunch of spots where there's no cars. So you can really just walk around and like take it all in. So we stopped for lunch at the King's Head, um, which was right near like the main parking area for the buses. So if you do take a day tour, it's an easy walk from there. Um, food was really good. Um, soup is another really big thing in Ireland. There's soup on every menu. So I got the soup and it was perfect because even in June, Ireland gets cold. So it was a good little spot. And then afterwards there's little ice cream shops and candy shops everywhere. So we stopped and got some ice cream and it's just a really cool, I almost want to say town over city just because it has that more of a, a cozy feeling than a big city would. So day seven was your last full day in Ireland, and after breakfast, you made your way to a very Instagrammable spot called Anne's Lane, and then got some shopping in around Grafton Street. Tell us more about why visitors should visit Anne's Lane for a cool Instagram picture, and what Grafton Street has in terms of shopping. Yeah, so Anne's Lane is one of the most popular pictures you will see if you are looking for any kind of Ireland itinerary on Pinterest. It is a pretty off the beaten path road and hanging between the buildings, there's a bunch of colorful umbrellas. So between these like stone buildings, it just brightens up the whole street. And since it's off the beaten path a little bit, it's not crowded with tourists. You can get a cool picture and it's just something different to see because it's, you know, we're going with so much history and everything like that and landscape and nature happening in Ireland. Like sometimes it's fun to just do something like quirky and like just to get a good photo because makes a good memory and something different. And it's right off Grafton street, which is like a huge shopping district in Ireland. You have all your, your main high end stores there, but then you also have other shops. Like we went into one, it was just like all wool products that, and the wool was directly from the Aran Islands, So it's all local Like, to me, that's a little more of what I want to shop for when I'm on vacation, something that I can't buy at home. You know, if I really need a Chanel bag, I can do that right at home. But you can only get Aran Island wool scarves so so many places. Grafton Streets, it's a cool spot, but you got to know which stores you'd want to spend your money in. The final tour that you had booked on your Ireland trip was next, and that was a Teeling Whiskey Distillery Tour and Tasting. Give us a quick run through of that tour and how did Teeling compare to your Jameson distillery tour? So Teeling is actually more of a newer brand of whiskey. Um, they were around back in the day. They closed up shop for a multitude of reasons and they came back a few years ago. You can definitely tell it's not like a brand 
rooted deep in tradition and it's definitely more modern as far as how it's run and the, the stories behind it, everything, even the tour itself, like we were taken directly into where they make the whiskey. Like it was loud. There was things bubbling and fermenting like right next to us. Like they really want you to experience it. And it's not like behind the wall where you can just, you know, smell this barley. It, it's a cool experience compared to Jameson. I would say it's, it was different. I think I enjoyed the personal experience of Jameson more, but with Teeling, I liked the fact that we were able to go right in. We were able to see the liquids moving from canister to canister and bubbling and all that fun stuff. So it was definitely different. And I will say, I think I like Teeling whiskey a little better than Jameson, but I also don't like whiskey, so I'm not the right person to make that call. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, on your final day, you also had one more stop at a place called Brazenhead, which is the oldest pub in Dublin. I know we were kind of dancing around those terms earlier when you started uh, with one of the earliest pubs that we mentioned at the top of the interview. But when exactly did Brazenhead open and how did it feel to actually be in such a unique and historic pub? So Brazenhead opened in 1198, which I think is crazy because that doesn't even seem like a real year. Um, It just seems like something made up. So to see this little pub that looked like a mini castle we didn't expect to even go like it you would think of something that old you're like ah it's cool to see to go in though it's like you would kind of imagine it to be run down and small and I pictured it like damp inside just because when it's from 1198 but they kept it beautiful and it's actually very big inside And to my surprise, too, I don't know why I just assumed they didn't have food, but they also served food and the food was really good. It was clean. It was well kept. It it made for like a pleasant surprise because I just assumed it was going to be like one of those old dingy stops like you had to go to because people told you you had to go. But it's it's worth it. And if you're like me, I don't do well with red meat. They have a shepherd's list shepherd's pie which they make a vegetarian version of this classic irish meal and uh i was so excited because shepherd's pie is one of my favorite things to eat so the fact that this place from you know that goes back to 1198 had something that i could enjoy on the traditional sense without getting sick made me very excited day eight finally on day eight you flew home out of Dublin International Airport, which is, of course, the biggest airport in Ireland. And I know that you got to the airport a little extra early that day. Uh, what was the the Dublin airport like? So it's, it's a really nice airport. Apparently, they've been experiencing some low staff in the past few months. So we were told that there could be wait lines there for up to five hours just to get through through security. So it's one of those things like, since it's the biggest airport, but yet it's still kind of run like a small airport staff-wise, like you got to keep an eye on that. The one thing I thought was interesting is that you actually go through U.S. Customs at Dublin Airport. Um, so that's a, you know, a huge time saver when you get home. Cause you, after you know five, six-hour flight or wherever you're going to, 
the last thing you want to do is wait on a line to go through customs. So I really enjoyed that they did that. But yeah, it's it's there's not much food, but it's it's okay. It's it's a small little airport. <laughs> so Nina, looking back on your trip, what were some of your major takeaways? What did you learn? What did you take back home with you um, after going through that experience? So I think overall, just Ireland's not a stopover place like we originally planned to make it. It's not. There's way too much to offer. But at the same time, if you only have a week, it's accessible enough all around where you can really enjoy the whole country rather than just one city of it. So, you know, don't stay in one place. Drive around. Take tours. We didn't rent a car. A lot of people do. But they have day trips that can take you anywhere and you can take a little nap. Then that's great. But yeah, really explore and get out and enjoy everything Ireland has to offer. And people can read even more about your Irish adventure and definitely check out more, many, many more great travel blogs on your website, nomadicneen.com. Listeners definitely do that. Nina, can you share a little bit more about your website and the types of travel content you write about? Yeah, so actually on the Ireland front, um, like you mentioned earlier with this podcast is based on is my travel story from Ireland. I I focus a lot on travel stories on my blog, but then I also am going to break it down because not everybody wants to read the nitty gritty details. And I will make a shorter itinerary of this to make it easier. But yeah, so on my site, you can find for most of my trips, two versions a travel story. If you want to know the full experience or just the itinerary, if you need help planning your trip, I do what I can. It's a great website. And Nomadic Neen is, of course, on social media, too. Where can we go to stay connected with you on Instagram, Facebook, or any other social platforms? Yeah, so I am on Instagram, um, at nomadic underscore neen. I'm on Facebook, just nomadic neen. I can't lie, my Facebook's not my main social media. So if you contact me there, I might be a little slow to answer, but I will answer you. And on Twitter, just at nomadic neen, no underscore. Oh, and Pinterest. Yeah, Pinterest too, at nomadic underscore mean. So some with the underscore, some without. But if you can't remember any of that, it's all on my site, nomadicmean.com. Easiest to remember. Perfect. Nina, it's been so great having you back on the show. Listeners, you can hear Nina on an older episode where we cover Atlanta, but it's been great catching up and learning about your time in Ireland. Uh, Thanks again for for coming on the show and, and sharing your travel experiences with us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me again. This was so much fun. A big DBE thank you to Nina and listeners. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's show. The Nomadic Neen blog is an awesome resource for travelers. So be sure to visit nomadicneen.com to read more travel stories and itineraries. And don't forget that a link to Nina's Dublin and Beyond article is included in the show notes for this episode. If you want to stay connected to the Nomadic Neen blog, you can give Nina a follow on social media. I've included links to Nina's social media pages in the show notes as well. Wherever you are listening to Destinations Beyond Expectations, thank you so much. Go ahead and hit that follow or subscribe button and tell a friend. If you want to hear me talk about more destinations, then I invite you to subscribe to a YouTube channel called Group Travel Odyssey where I go live every Thursday with a couple of colleagues in the travel industry to talk about particular destinations and how groups can experience them during a visit. That is all I've got for this week. Thanks so much for listening, and I will talk to you soon.